Hello, Kaiju lovers, and welcome to a special impromptu live stream edition of the Monster Island Foam Falta podcast, seeking entertainment and enlightenment through Tokusatsu. I am your host, Monster Island's film curator, Nate March, and that is the wrong button. <laughs> Jimmy, you hit the wrong button. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Whatever you say, whatever you say. But, but, I'm doing this because this is too big of a story to ignore. Way too big. For those of you who are listening to the audio version, I will be providing some visuals. Check the links in the show notes to watch the video version of this live stream. All right, so we're going to be doing a little breakdown of the Godzilla Minus One trailer. Yes, we've got a full-fledged trailer, not that 30-second teaser that we had you know, just before G-Fest earlier in the summer. Literally, Labor Day, late at night, well, for most of my friends in the States, I should say, <laughs> the, the trailer drops. And everyone loses their freaking minds. I was offered to join a watch party of sorts by my friend Elijah Thomas of Kaiju Conversation and ET13 Productions. Unfortunately, I got the dates wrong and ended up not participating. Say la vie. But we're here to break this down. I will not be playing the trailer itself. If you want to watch it, I do highly recommend you go and you watch it now. I'm going to be going over some screenshots from it and breaking them down and talking about what it is that I think I'm seeing. And I'm doing that because I do not want to anger the YouTube overlords because I've tried showing trailers before during live streams and got smacked around with a copyright strike, which makes no sense to me whatsoever regardless regardless start leaving your comments in the chat i'd love to know we've got a few people watching right now i'd love to know who's in the chat right now but let me bring up the pictures let me see if i can find the pictures here and we'll start getting into this we'll start getting into this although before we do so i would like to say like i said that I was very happy with this trailer. I was incredibly impressed with this trailer. For those of you who are in the chat, feel free to leave comments about your thoughts on the trailer itself. I would love to hear what you have to say. This is really exciting because I, the promotion for this film that Toho is doing is absolutely insane. It's unlike any other Godzilla film that we have seen before. They're releasing it themselves. They are clearly confident about this film, which is why it's exciting. We're getting it released just a month after it's released in Japan, and your plans are being made. It will be covered on the podcast. It's too big to ignore, obviously, so don't worry about that. But I wanted to do something a little bit timely right now. So, like I said, if you haven't seen the trailer yet, spoilers? Can you spoil the trailer? 
some people think you can, but I, I, I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, let's take a look at this first. Uh, I, I don't know how to stream yard. Ah. No, that's not that's not it. There, there, there. That's what I was. Well, I don't know. Maybe this, maybe this view. Yeah, let's go with this view. This view is a little bit better. I kind of like that one. Okay. All right. So this is from early on in the trailer, and I'm bringing this up because we get a little bit of a difference of opinion here, as you'll see in one of the other screenshots that I have here. So we have a very panicked crowd, and this is very much demonstrating that this is a period piece which makes this unique. By the way, I did do a breakdown of the teaser trailer that we got back in July. I did that on MIFV Max on Patreon with my friend and co-host on the Power Trip, Michael Hamilton, and frequent collaborator on things like Kaiji Ramen and all that sort of stuff. If you want to hear that... Join Patreon. But anyway, so by bringing this up, because this is a period piece, this is incredibly unique in the Godzilla franchise. We've had flashbacks or segments of movies. I'm thinking specifically of Godzilla versus King Ghidorah that did take place technically in a period. In that case, it was also World War II. But this is the first time it is just, the whole movie is a straight up, period piece as this is demonstrating the clothing and the set and everything like the look of this is 100% post-war 1940s occupation era Japan but one of the reasons that I'm highlighting this going off of these subtitles by the way we still don't know if this movie is going to have a dub or not I'm anticipating it will just be sub but we I could be surprised so somebody, we have a panicking crowd, that's, which is a classic in any kaiju movie. And someone is saying, what is it? And someone replies, I don't know something big. And I'm bringing that up because these characters, and they're probably just extras with lines, they don't know what they're looking at. But as we'll see later, somebody else does. And we'll get to that in a moment. So already, this is quickly establishing a tone. And like I said, if you've seen the trailer, you know this is going for a very scary tone. Some people are saying that this was what they wanted from Godzilla 2014. It's very interesting. I've noticed that that does seem to be the direction. Ever since Shin Godzilla, that's been the direction that the Japanese films have been taking. They've been very serious, very dour at points, and sometimes they'll be punctuated with humor. Shin Godzilla had some humor in it. The anime trilogy had some bits of humor in it. I'm not sure this is going to have humor in it. This seems like it is just going to be a very intense film throughout as this opening shot. I don't know if this is the opening of the movie. That's the other thing to keep in mind. I'm going in order of... What happens in the trailer? I don't know if, the, if this is presenting events in chronological order 
in for the film itself. I'm anticipating it's not. Trailers are edited to maximize drama as opposed to giving you a chronological idea of what happens in the film. So people don't know what's going on. They're panicking. Definitely of the period. You you look in the background here, you can see what looks like military vehicles. I just now noticed that. So again, we are very quickly establishing this is occupation era Japan. And as you heard me talk about in the Godzilla 54 and Godzilla King of the Monsters episodes, one of which, the latter of which I should say, did have Elijah Thomas, who's very excited about this movie, talked a lot about what happened in the occupation. And I've got opinions about that. And yeah, so well, I'll keep unpacking those as we go here with this tra- uh, with these trailer screenshots. So here's another one here. This is I'm assuming is one of our characters. I will admit I have looked up the list of you know of cast in here, and I'm still not sure 100 percent who everybody is. I'm looking at the main cast list right now on. Yeah, on Wikipedia, okay, there's only two women listed. I'm not sure which one is which here. I I really am not. I wish I I wish I was more sure. But I I'm assuming this is one of our main cast members. The teaser gave us no indication about of cast or characters, and this one we're definitely definitely getting into this. So again, Looking at this, we have a lot of rubble in the background. And she's got a bandage on her head, so she's been hurt. This makes me think back, actually, to some shots from the infirmaries in both Godzilla 54 and Godzilla King of the Monsters. More specifically, Godzilla King of the Monsters, because you had Steve Martin, reporter Steve Martin, with a bandage on his head for a good chunk of those scenes. So I'm wondering if that could be referencing back to that, or at the very least, it's you know we have a, a, one of our main cast members who has been wounded. And again, I'm still not sure who this is. There are two female cast members that I see on here. We have Minami Hamabe, and we have Sakura Ando. I'm thinking this is Sakura Ando. Don't quote me on that. I'm sure somebody will yell at me for getting it wrong. It might not be either one of them, but I wanted to highlight that because that was one of the distinguishing features of this trailer is we're actually seeing our human cast. This right here, I just wanted to bring this up. This is an amazing piece of cinematography. Again, for those who are listening to this after the fact, who are, you know, uh, who are listening to this after the fact on the podcast, the hold on, hold on here. We have someone in the chat. Want to say hello? It is Matthew Walsh, but not that Matt Walsh. Great to see you in the chat, my friend. So we're going to be breaking down this trailer here. Strap in. So this is just an amazing piece of cinematography. I am very certain that we have a sideways camera here, probably a POV shot of somebody laying on the ground, opening their eyes, and seeing something in the distance. It's very obviously supposed to be Godzilla. 
if I had let this play out a little bit more before I took the screenshot, you would have seen a faint outline of Godzilla. So I'm not sure exactly what's going on here with all of the dust that's flying up around here. My guess would be perhaps they, you know, uh, he's just toppled a building and is rising from amidst the rubble. I'm not 100% sure. It could be other things, as I will illustrate later, but I'm not sure that's exactly what we have there. But this is an incredibly unique visual that we have right here. I know there are lots of naysayers out there when it comes to using CGI in these Japanese films. But I'm going to tell you right now, as much as I love traditional tokusatsu, that's how I'll put it, I don't know if that could have been achieved. This kind of a visual could have been achieved with anything other than CGI. This is proper utilization of CGI. This is how you do it right. Right here. So, like I said, I'm not quite sure what's going on here. I just know there's a lot of debris, a lot of dust, perhaps some smoke. So we'll go on to the next one. This is why I brought up that first screenshot saying that there were people who don't know who, who Godzilla is. This woman does. Again, I don't know the chronology here. I don't know if this is later on in the movie. I don't know where this is situated compared to that first scene at the beginning of the trailer. I really don't. But this is incredibly intriguing because she says right here in the subtitle, is that ellipses godzilla and i'm looking at this looking at this i'm thinking i'm thinking this could be let me see maybe this is minami hamabe that could be minami hamabe no it could uh, it could be either one of them i'm still not sure but it is a different woman than the one in the previous screenshot that i showed and she's sitting in what appears to be a train, which is interesting because in true Godzilla fashion, the Lizard King just hates trains. And we see him attack a train in the teaser and in this. So I'm guessing she might be in the train. Now, does that mean that she's not going to survive? I don't know. I really don't know. But what's intriguing about this line is, is that I'm wondering if this could be going back to something that we, you know, that we saw in Godzilla 54 where there was a woman on a train who complained about how she survived the atomic bombings and now everything else that's going on is going on. Either that or she knows something. She knows something about Godzilla, whether that means she survived a previous attack, whether that means she... It has some sort of knowledge. She's learned something about Godzilla. Maybe she's from Odo Island, if they're working Odo Island into this. I don't know. I really don't know. But she, at the very least, in the context of this trailer, knows something. She knows something about Godzilla, and that tells me that there's some previous mythology going on here. This is a bigger world than before. This might be a reboot, a straight-up reboot. Some might even call it a prequel. But she knows something, and that intrigues me. Like I said, I'm not entirely sure what that is. If you have any ideas, feel free to leave them in the chat. If you're listening to this after the fact, 
send me some feedback. Either leave some comments on the YouTube version or email us at monsterislandfilmfault at gmail.com. All right, there's my, uh, some shameless self-promotion for you. Yes, Jimmy, we're not going to save it for the end. We're doing it now. We're doing it now. All right, let's go on to the next one. Also, I would like to point out, this is an amazingly composed shot. I love this shot. Yamazaki is really showing his credentials with all of these trailers. He really is. I need to see some of his other movies. I've only seen for sure one of his other movies, but so I should get to the rest of them as Elijah Thomas keeps telling me. All right. Here's another one. This is an amazing piece of destruction right here. Absolutely amazing piece of destruction. In this one, Godzilla is tail swiping several bullets. It looks like he's taking out a whole block of buildings as people are running, which is something that people have been commenting on. Godzilla in this is closer to his show of height. I don't know if that means he's 50 meters, which is about 160 feet, or if he's a little taller at 55 or something like that, but he's clearly smaller because the buildings at this point were smaller. He didn't need to be as big. He wouldn't have to be as big to look impressive. And like I said, it's a throwback to how things were. But I'm highlighting this because this, I've, I don't think we've seen a destruction scene that's quite like this, at least not one that's been as well realized as this is here. And again, we've got people who are already hurt. We got a guy with a bandage on his head. We've got people running and panicking. Like, look at the, Look at how the how this city is set up. This just this just screams like this whole thing is so entrenched in the period. It really is. I, I'm imp- I am extremely impressed with this. And as Elijah had pointed out in one of his episodes where he went over the teaser trailer, you even just the color palette that Yamazaki's going with this, where there, you've got a lot of earth tones. It's really giving you the proper kind of atmosphere. Post-war Japan, occupation era, it's not necessarily bleak, but it's not colorful either. It's a very interesting choice, to say the least. To say the least. But like I said, it's an impressive piece of destruction right here. And again, the CGI looks really good. It, it really does look really good. And when you see this in motion, it's even better. It really is. So we'll go on to the next one, if it will load. All right, this, got another destruction scene here. This is, I don't know if this is from the same attack or if it's a different attack. I, this is, honestly, it might not be the best screenshot that I took of this one. But for those, again, for those who are listening after the fact, in this one, it looks like we have people sitting on what looks to be a street and there's a built what looks to be a building behind them and it is it looks like it is getting upturned like the enti- like the entire ground that they are on is getting flipped over like you're opening or closing a book and it looks straight out of the movie inception except this is literal it's not some crazy image in a dream 
something is crawling up from below near as I can tell and is upturning everything. Again, such a unique visual that I've never seen in a Godzilla movie before. I'm comparing it to Inception, but that's the closest I can think of to it. This is just nuts. I don't know if this means that Godzilla is attacking from underground or if it's something else. I'm not sure. I am not sure, but it's just it's such an incredible visual. And if ever, maybe it could be a reference to the idea of underground nuclear tests. There, nuclear tests, obviously, at this point, were not being conducted underground. Honestly, I think at this point, there, was only, there had only been one nuclear test, which was Trinity. If you've seen Oppenheimer this summer, you saw a recreation of the Trinity test. So you know what I'm talking about, but that was above ground. So it would be strange if they were referencing something that hadn't happened yet, technically. Unless it's supposed to be anticipatory. I don't know. I don't know. But like I said, once again, the visuals in this are incredible. I, if nothing else, this may go down as the best special effects in a Japanese Godzilla film. Hands down. Yeah, hands down. Yamazaki and his team are really outdoing themselves, I have to say. All right, let's load that next one. Oh, this is uh, this is from the same sequence. I took another screenshot of it to see if anything changed. Doesn't look like a whole lot did change. Next up, okay, this is something that people have really, this is one of the shots that people have really been latching onto. Again, for those who are listening, after the fact, we have a shot of people running in a street. There are overturned cars. We see a bu- we see some buildings off to the side, and what looks to be almost like shanties, like in a shanty town, and Godzilla stomping through the street and stepping on people. We're you know you were liter- this is a wide shot, and we are literally seeing Godzilla step on people. And we get to uh, get to see what his feet look like. He's got four toes, like. You know, classic Godzilla, most of the time he would have four, sometimes he would have three. But what's interesting about this one is that they are, it, you know, and it's not the elephant feet for, for the legendary design. But what I find interesting about this, just in terms of creature design here, is Godzilla has basically a dewclaw. So he has four toes, but one of them is a dewclaw. So it's off to the side, and it's a little bit smaller, almost like a thumb, you know, if these were hands. Which, interesting design choice. But... The thing that really gets to me about how this shot is composed is that I had to tell myself that it's not a man in a suit on a miniature set. It is CGI, but it looks like man in a suit. And I mean that in the best possible way. Like That is a compliment. The fact that this really does truly look like a suit it is exuding suitmation energy. And I, it's incredible that they were able to do something like that. I've also seen some people compare this shot to similar shots from Godzilla 98 where he's stomping through the city and stepping on people. I hesitate to say that 
it, that was a direct influence because it's the worst Godzilla movie ever. I don't think there's going to be very many people, even those who like it, who are going to fight me too much on that. But, sir, but anyway, it wouldn't surprise me, though, if it was a callback and a reference because, from what I understand, Yamazaki is a massive Godzilla fanboy. And we could be looking at a case where someone is a fan but is also not losing sight of what he needs to do, which is tell a good story and make a good film. And, you know, has the talent to back up everything that he's doing. For sure. So, my goodness, Yamazaki. My goodness. So, we'll go on to the next image here really quick. What I have... Okay. This right here. This is the one that I used as the thumbnail for this. A lot of people are using this as a thumbnail. I have a feeling, if nothing else... This right here is going to go down as the shot from this movie. It's already become iconic. People thought that Ghidorah standing you know, amidst an erupting volcano with a cross silhouetted in the foreground, that that was iconic. You've got the iconic shot right here. For those who don't know, oh, oh well, not don't know, but for those who are listening, I'm just going to keep saying that we have people looking up into the distance, into the horizon in a city, and there's a massive explosion happening right next to Godzilla. What exactly is going on? And they're just staring in awe, perhaps even fear. What exactly is going on here? I don't know. I don't know what is causing this explosion. If it's nuclear... That is going to be a heck of a thing, to say the least. Because the, the plot of this is still being kept pretty tightly, uh, put under pretty tight wraps. Looking at this, I could venture some theories, and they're potentially dangerous theories that we're looking at here. Especially when we see the images that we see later. Either this is alternate history, and we're seeing something that didn't actually happen. I get it. Alternate history is only slightly less annoying than time travel. Uh, for those who don't know, alternate history is a subgenre of science fiction that posits if one historical event was changed, how would that domino effect affect everything after it? An obvious, uh, not a prominent example, I should say, of that would be the Man in the High Castle, which just got made into a series on Amazon. So either we're looking at an alternate history here, or if we are sticking to history more closely. And here's my dangerous theory: maybe this isn't Tokyo. Maybe. This is Hiroshima or Nagasaki. I'm thinking it might even be Nagasaki because that was the second city bombed. And perhaps Nagasaki was bombed in this film because the Americans were trying to stop Godzilla. There's my wild theory. Because I have a feeling 
the nuclear bombings are going to factor very closely into this film. Which is why some of the early rumblings that I've heard about this, particularly while I was at G-Fest, would also lead me to think that it's that that's the direction that Yamazaki is going. Again, let's look at a few more of the screenshots and we'll unravel that. But I rarely has so perfectly composed a shot been in a Godzilla film, been in a trailer. I, I would honestly hope that this would be used. It probably won't as much as I would love it to. I would love for this to be used as a poster of some kind perhaps used for the Blu-ray release or something like that. I don't know, but this is the shot from this movie already. Hopefully there will be some other things that will blow me away even more, but this at the moment, this is the shot. This is the shot. All right, here's another thing. And I wish I had a better way of identifying that. But the fact that we're being shown clip, uh, shots of battleships is intriguing. Absolutely intriguing. But we got some more people in the chat. Let me acknowledge them. So we have Brendan Morley of Autistic Lizard Productions. Nice to see you, Brendan. And <laughs> we have Ultraman Nexus. Wasn't expecting to see an Ultraman in the chat today. He says, I still think this is the climax, but that's just me. All right. That, that, that's as good a theory as any at this point, because this trailer doesn't really give anything away, but it certainly creates a lot of intrigue. And you know, we're all going to be theorizing for the next several months trying to figure it out. Man, I am not, uh, I am going to feel sorry for anybody that, you know, outside of Japan for that month between its international release and its domestic release because it's going to be hard to avoid spoilers. It'll be hard. But anyway, I I screenshot this because, again, unless we are flashing back to World War II, and like I said, I can't see any other identifying marks on this shot to, you know, to narrow it down. But if this is Occupation Era and we have a battleship, this is an American battleship because at this point, not only is Japan in shambles as a country, but so is their military. Their military is basically non-existent at this point. Again, if they're sticking close to history, their military is in shambles. It's a mess, which means anytime we see military action being taken against Godzilla in this film, it's going to be occupation-era Americans. Which is just mind-boggling to think about. It's unlike anything that we've seen before. And honestly, the only other movie I can think of, kaiju film, I should say, that has dared to tackle this era is actually an indie film that not a lot... Well, people talked about for a hot minute. Now they're not anymore. And that's Rago, God of the... Uh, is it God? God? No, King of the Sea Monsters. It's God of the Sea Mon it's God of the Monsters later, the sequel. No, Rago, King of the Sea Monsters. That took place during World War II and was set on the Yamato, which was the most important battleship in the Japanese Navy. 
So again, unless this is some sort of, and I'd have to dig around to figure it out. I'd see how if there how much of the Japanese Navy was left over after the war, you know, immediately after the war. But we could be looking at an American battleship, people. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Where's Major Spielberg when you need him? Right? Right? Yeah. They might. That would be funny. That would be really funny if Yamazaki threw in a Major Spielberg just as an Easter egg. And then if you really want to be mean, you get, you kill him. <laughs> Godzilla blows up his boat. <laughs> so we got another one of the actors here. And we got some more comments, so I should address those. So Brendan says, I did watch the trailer, and I'm looking forward to seeing it on the big screen in U.S. theaters, and it's also available... Oh, if it's also available in dub... Yeah, I would be curious to see if it's available in dub myself. I would say even if it's only available subtitled, Brendan, just go see it anyway because you know you're going to want to. And Ultraman Nexus here, he says, Theory, after second bomb at Climax, Godzilla isn't destroyed by it, unleashes his full atomic breath power, leaving Japan in flames, heads back to the sea, but gives any survivors one last menacing glare. Interesting theory, my friend. Very interesting theory. I kind of like it. I like it. And now, please welcome friend, listener, and MIFV Max member, Jake Hambrick, to the chat. Great to see you. So, he says, what's up? I finally made it on just got back from my son's karate practice. Ooh, karate practice. Ooh, Ooh, I hope he's teaching those Cobra Kai kids some lessons, some much-needed lessons. But anyway, like I said, we got another one of the cast members here. I'm going to see who could this potentially be. I'm wondering if this is Ryosuke Kamiki? Ryonosuke Kamiki. It could be him. Let me see. No, well, it could also be Yuki Yamada. Yeah. Just not entirely sure. I wish I could I could be a little bit more sure. But he right here, this guy looks like he's potentially a former Japanese soldier. Which would go with one of the other screenshots that I have here. And if that's the case, again, again, really taking advantage of the era. And putting Godzilla into some very interesting times with Godzilla 54, that was Japan in transition. They had just come out of the occupation, were starting to assert themselves. The Japanese self-defense force had just been established. They were slowly putting themselves back together. But this one, it's Japan in shambles. Like I said, Japan in ruins. Japan in disgrace, which is... I choose that word carefully because, as you'll see in the next, well, in a later screenshot, that might be factoring into that, the, the, uh, the theme of disgrace. I wonder if that could be one, the theme that we're going with here is the theme of disgrace. But this is a wonderful little shot here to describe it for those who are listening. It looks like we have a beach in the background. That muted color palette is on full display here. 
and it's working marvelously. This one, we've got a little bit more diversity. It's not just earth tones. We've got some blue there, a little bit of blue for the sky and a darker shade of blue for the ocean. Just some great cinematography here all around. All right, so let's go on to the next one. What do I have next here? Okay. Okay, let's see. Why were we all called out here? So this right here, so the, we've got a line of bodies. And I don't know if this is a reference to the war, if it's a flashback to the war, or if this is more closely related to Godzilla himself. I'm not entirely sure. But it's definitely hammering a point across about what happened in the war, the tragedy of it. Now, I don't know if this is to be interpreted as this is the result of Japan's hubris during the war, or if this is commenting on Japan being victimized during the war. I'm not entirely sure. And that is the thing that people are still trying to figure out, which we'll talk about more as we go. So on to the next screenshot I have here. Again, is it, you know, why were we called out here? It's the same, you know, Is the subtitle still up? I guess it's still up. <laughs> and now we have a boat off in the background, which could be a callback to the original film. Godzilla tends to attack boats in, a lot, you know, <laughs> in his solo movies. And so this could be a reference back to the Echo Maru, if I remember correctly, in Godzilla 54. It could be a, a callback to the Lucky Dragon number five, even though that didn't happen until nearly a decade later. Not entirely sure. Why the subtitle is still there over that shot is interesting, to say the least. Let's go on to the next one. Here's one of our other characters. This guy is clearly, clearly a soldier. Clearly a soldier. I'm thinking, yeah, I'm pretty sure this is Yuki Yamada. And he's very obviously a soldier. That is a vintage uniform with the, you know, right there with the hat. What he's doing here exactly, I'm not entirely sure. I wonder if he's parachuting? Or maybe he's on a boat. I'm not entirely sure. I'm, he looks like he might be a pilot. That would be my guess. That would be my guess. Again, this could be a flashback to the war. I don't have, so I'm not sure what exactly is going on here. But yeah, like I like I said, I'm highlighting the fact that this is now highlighting the actors, which is great. I need a good human story in this, and I do think this will have an excellent human story in it. So let's go on to the next screenshot. All right, this is one that people have been commenting about a lot because there are some stylistic choices in here that look like they were influenced by the MonsterVerse. So this one right here with what looks to be, and I had, this was a bit of a pain to actually screenshot because it goes by really fast. But this is the header. I don't know if that's the right word for it. A title card for a microfilm. It says, this microfilm is the property of the United States government, and it's got 
the United States seal on it. It says microfilmed by NPPSO Naval District Washington microfilm section. This is really intriguing, especially since the trailer for the trailer, that 15 second thing that was out before Labor Day weekend, showed a document that had been signed by General Douglas MacArthur who was in charge of the U.S. occupation of Japan. Which again means, if we have military action being taken against Godzilla in this, it will be occupation-era American forces. And this right here tells me that the occupation government is aware of Godzilla. That seems to be the implication here that they filmed things with Godzilla, so they have prior knowledge of Godzilla. I don't know how far back that goes. I don't know how extensive it is, but that seems to be the case here, which is similar to what we saw in the MonsterVerse. And how this gets handled is going to make or break the movie for really, I would say... I would say anyone outside of Japan, but definitely for Americans because this is why bringing up alternate history is interesting because there is, I won't deny it, there is a movement in Japan. They're hyper-nationalistic and they are engaging in a lot of revisionist history. They are denying atrocities committed by Japan during the war and let me tell you, there are, were some gruesome things that happened, to say the least. I won't get into it all right here, but you, know, you have things like Nanking, Pearl Harbor, Unit 731, all of that sort of stuff. The treatment of POWs. They would rather erase that and present themselves as the victim, which is the interesting thing about Godzilla 54 because it's kind of ambivalent in that regard. But I am wondering, especially with one of these last screenshots that I'm going to show here, you know, depicting Godzilla, I'm going to be very curious about that. And we'll get into that here in a moment. Do we have any more comments in the chat? No, we do not. All right, so we will move on to the next one. Like I said, this definitely says the occupation government knows what is going on. Okay, this is interesting. This is interesting here because someone says the government is not telling the public. I'm going to venture a guess, again, going off of the context well, it could, uh, yeah, it could be two things. It could be the actual occupation government, so the allies, the Americans. Or it could be that interim Japanese government that was in power at the time. There was a prime minister, several actually, during the occupation era. The emperor was no longer in power. He was still there. He wasn't tried as a war criminal, even though he could have been. MacArthur made the wise decision to not try the emperor because if they did try the emperor, he probably would have been executed for his crimes. And that would not have ingratiated anybody to the, uh, to the Japanese. 
the Japanese were largely welcoming to the Americans for a lot of reasons. One, they were scared of the bombs. Two, they were equally, if not even more scared of the Soviets. That's why they specifically surrendered to the Americans, not to the Allies, to the Americans, because they were scared of the Soviets. They knew a Soviet invasion would absolutely destroy them if they came in. So that's why I'm curious to find out which government this is. Regardless, though, of whether it's the occupation government, I would not be surprised if it's the occupation government, given the other context clues for what we have going on here. And knowing my history, the occupation government did engage in some censorship because they needed to make sure that the Japanese populace did not, especially at that time, turn volatile. They were working toward rebuilding the country, rebuilding their government, and they couldn't afford to have any unrest. So if they know about Godzilla and they're trying to tamp it down, that just makes sense. I don't see that as anti-American. There's already... There's already rumors going around that this is going to be an anti-American film. I'm not expecting it to be an anti-American film. I am expecting it to tackle some very difficult things because this is a difficult era. I would argue that more good than bad happened during the occupation and came out of the occupation, but I am speaking as someone who never was there, who never lived through it. I'm speaking as someone looking back on it. I'm also an American, and I'm not a Japanese, so my view is colored by that as well. But regardless, this is not the first time we've seen something like this. We have seen plenty of films, both American and Japanese, where the government tries to keep a lid on things. Heck, even going all the way back to 1954, they didn't immediately tell uh, the public about Godzilla. They tried to keep it secret. And then came to a rather tumultuous decision to no longer keep it secret. And that was a point of contention. All that to say, I'm not bothered by it. It's something that it's the prerogative of governments. They keep secrets. Then they have to make sure that the populace doesn't panic because a panicking populace is not good for anybody. So we'll move on to this. I... Want to know? Okay, I think I can recognize this guy. This guy's pretty. This guy's pretty. I'm. I'm guessing this is Mune Takaoki playing a character named Sosaku Tachibana. I'm really. I will admit, the first time I watched this trailer, I really thought this guy was going to be a proto-Sarazawa, or maybe he was a young Sarazawa. He looks like he could be a Sarazawa. Well, maybe not. Well, no, more so Sarazawa. I was thinking either Sarazawa or Yamane. I was think I was thinking more specifically Yamane, but he could almost work as a Sarazawa. I don't think Sarazawa. No, Yamane. This guy's much more of a Yamane. The previous, again, for those who were listening afterward, the previous screenshot and this screenshot, this guy is standing in front of a map that's being projected onto a screen, and he's presumably giving a lecture, and he's the one, I'm assuming, who says the government is not telling anybody. Yeah, what is it? The government is, yeah, the, the government is not telling the public. And he's looking at a, what is that? 
It's all in Japanese, so I can't quite tell. And I don't quite recognize the region. I wish I, my, I wish my Japanese was better so I could tell you. Because I'm not, I am not entirely sure. But we've got a, I'm assuming, a scientist character in here, which is a staple. We had soldiers as well. You know, those are staples of these sorts of movies. But, yeah. The guy's got a great look. Such a great look. Man. Man. That silhouette in the background from the projector, just that looks great too. All right, so next up, what do we have? We've got more of the soldier. We got more. This time we have a soldier and the scientist, the presumed scientist, hanging out together. And now you can really see just how wild this guy's hair is. It's crazy. It's crazy. And I'm guessing this guy here is. Kuronosuke Sasaki, and his character is Yoji Akisu. So they're together, and he I'm assuming an argument is going on. They're on a ship, on a battleship, I'm guessing, of some kind. They've got what well, looks like a telescope behind them, and I'm assuming that this is this gentleman saying... Somebody's got to do it. I don't know what that somebody... I don't know who that somebody is. I don't know what thing needs to be done. But there's tension going on here. Which is good. That is very good. I love character conflict. And I'm hoping we have some very, some good character conflict here. Now, I don't know if this could be... We could be looking at an oxygen destroyer kind of a situation here. Or if it's something else. Not entirely sure. But clearly, there's an argument going on, and there's a lot of tension. The scientist looks baffled by what's going on, for sure. Whereas, this guy looks angry and very sure of what needs to be done. But somebody's disagreeing with him. So we'll go on to the next one. This is a map that somebody is looking at, and they're putting their finger on Tokyo. Which tells me either Godzilla is go is going to go to Tokyo, so part of the movie will take place in Tokyo, or they're concerned Godzilla will head to Tokyo. Now, I'm operating under the theory that we are going to see Godzilla in Hiroshima or Nagasaki. I have little doubt of that. Little doubt. But... This tells me that Tokyo is going to factor into it some way, somehow. Either, like I said, Godzilla goes there or he's trying to go there. So somebody, so we have characters who are try, talking it over and, say, and pointing out that Tokyo is important. So on to the next one. This one, we have what looks like a ruined neighborhood, or a lot of damaged houses, and a woman is shoving a man away. And in the man is wearing a military uniform, and she says, you're a disgrace. This is why I say I think a huge theme of this film is going to be disgrace. This, Japan was disgraced as a nation for having, for having lost the war and having had their country absolutely devastated by the war. And I think we're going to see this in microcosm with a soldier character who is coming home after the war is over and he is seen 
as a disgrace by his family. And if you know anything about Asian culture, it is hugely focused on family ties and honor. And being defeated in military conflict, especially at this time, Japan is, you know, even though they have been modernizing quite a bit since the Meiji era at this point, and the samurai had long been disbanded, that samurai mentality is still very much part of their culture and pervaded World War II, which is why there were a lot of fanatics in the Japanese military. It's why you had kamikaze pilots. It was death before dishonor. And now you have somebody returning home having suffered a form of dishonor. I can only imagine how much tension that is going to create. But like I said, this could be, you could look at this as a microcosm for the nation of Japan altogether itself at this point. It goes back to the title of this movie. Well, not so much the title, but the tagline. It's the title as well. But Japan was at zero, and now they are minus. The idea being J- Japan was so devastated by the war that they're at the absolute bottom, and then Godzilla shows up and digs them into the ground at this point. They're not just on the ground. They are under the ground. That's how bad it's getting. So we have a comment here from Ultraman Nexus. Oh, this is definitely going to be a very controversial film. And like Shin Godzilla... I see the fandom being divided once more. I am already preparing myself for that. I can already see the writing on the wall. It might even be more polarizing than Shin Godzilla ever was. And I can punch holes in the rhetoric amongst some in the American fandom surrounding Shin Godzilla. I even convinced a younger fan who bought into all of it. I just said, here are some counterpoints. Go watch the movie again and let me know. <laughs> watch Shin Godzilla and call me in the morning, which he did. And he changed his mind. I have a feeling I, I'm i going to have to do the same thing here, but I'm going to have to work a little harder to do it. This is, I am anticipating, going to be an incredibly nuanced movie. And... Not everyone is going to be happy with it, particularly on the American side of the Pacific. But only time will tell at that point. I would assume that if Toho is releasing it as fast and as confidently as they are, I don't imagine that they they wouldn't peddle an anti-American film like that. I'm not even sure if it was blatantly nationalistic that they would want to peddle something like that that hard, even if it is connected to an incredibly valuable IP. Regardless, it's just like all that to say, I, I should say, I don't anticipate it being anti-American because you don't really want to spit in the face of a large part of your audience especially one that you're clearly trying very hard to appeal to that's the kind of mistakes that hollywood has been making toho i don't think 
is dumb enough to make that kind of mistake. But like I said, this screenshot is very telling. All right, so we'll go on to the next one. <laughs> okay, I will admit the okay this one. We this looks like it's at a harbor, and we see a boat. It's presumably getting thrown, just like Godzilla was throwing trains earlier in this trailer. I initially thought what I was looking at might have been the Lucky Dragon number five, or something like it, or the Echo Maru. No, no, it's still a ship getting thrown. But I think this time, it's Yamazaki throwing in an Easter egg because that is very clearly the space battleship Yamato. That is, I with how it's designed, how it's colored, can't see the whole thing because it's hidden behind a building and some smoke, but that's the space battleship Yamato. I just wanted to highlight that just because I thought that was a clever little Easter egg there. Nice job, Yamazaki, because he previously directed a live-action version of space battleship Yamato. Yes, Jimmy, I know that's a very important one for you. Hmm. All right. you can't. This is just a black screen because all important movies start with a black screen. Name that reference. Anyway, this is. I'm showing this as a two-parter. As a two-parter here because it's a two-part line. So black screen, it says that monster will never forgive us. This line is haunting. Absolutely haunting. Not sure which of the cast members this is, but this is a guy, he looks like he's in a house of some kind. He's laying on the floor also by a door he's kind of looking up and he's the one who's saying this line i'm not entirely sure what to make of this line i really don't i don't know if they're talking because you could go one of two directions with this you could go the gmk direction or you could go at least what some people think is the shin godzilla direction with this Godzilla, you know, says that monster will never forgive us. Forgive them for what? For fighting the war? For losing the war? For bringing about the atomic bombings? Fight for starting the war, fighting the war. That's more the GMK direction. Losing the war, you could argue, is more the Shin Godzilla direction there. What I'm personally leaning toward was the third option that I mentioned. Will never forgive us for bringing about the atomic bombings, which would be connected to the war. The Japanese did not make the weapons. They did not detonate the weapons, but they made the weapons necessary. And I am anticipating that we will be going in the direction where Godzilla is not so much tied to the war, but he's tied to the atomic bombings. I do think that Godzilla in this will either be awakened or created by the original atomic bombings, 
by Hiroshima and Nagasaki. One of them. Especially when I show the next screenshot. Or one of the later screenshots that I have here. And I do think the rage that Godzilla will feel will be directed at the Japanese people because, like I said, they made the atomic bombs necessary and the atomic bombs hurt him. They hurt him. Which, like I said, that does connect it back to the war, but it's still a very specific incident. So... Want to acknowledge we have someone else in the chat here. We have Super Mr. Crazy Man. Well, that is a name. <laughs> why are, he says, why are the AMC theaters not showing anything for December 1st? Godzilla and Ultraman Nexus says, listings won't be up until October, early November. Patience is a virtue. And Mr. Super Mr. Crazy Man says, I wish someone said that last week. <laughs> I don't know what's going on there with that, but hopefully it's getting resolved. So is that next? Is, I forget if my next screenshot is the really telling one. No, this is a tagline, and it says, survive and fight. I'm trying to figure out how to interpret that. I'm assuming it means it's referencing Godzilla, not necessarily the war. Because you, know, you have to survive the war and then you have to fight against the monster that is coming. But you know, if the monster is angered, if you know, it's holding a grudge, shall we say, toward the Japanese people. That could make things a little difficult there. Oh, nope, nope, don't zoom. Go on to the next one. And then I got a couple more special effects shots here that just look amazing. This one, it looks like Godzilla is, I'm guessing, it looks like, a, no, it's a battleship. I thought it might have been the beach for a second. I think he's going after a battleship. And again, this could be, this is most likely an American battleship. You know, we can see his thighs and it looks like his feet are in water. We've got splashing water. Stuff looks very turbulent. I'm anticipating. Yeah, this will probably see a naval battle and this could be a screenshot from that naval battle. All right, here we go. This is another one of the images that people have been talking about a lot. This is the tried and true screaming skyward shot that we've been seeing in a lot of modern Godzilla from the MonsterVerse to Shin to Singular Point. Yeah, basically all of them. They've been using a shot like this. But what intrigues me so much about this is Godzilla looks like he just walked out of a burning house. And he's got flesh that is peeling off. I am anticipating that what we are seeing is Godzilla immediately post-radiation. He just got hit with the bomb. And he's either been awakened or mutated or whatever. But given that the original Godzilla was designed so that his skin was not scales, they were designed to look like Keloid scars, this right here might be hammering that home. At which point, that makes Godzilla a Hibakusha, 
I've talked about Hibakusha before on my Frankenstein Conquers the World episode. Those were the survivors of the atomic bombings. They are uniquely Japanese. They are uniquely Japanese minority. If my theory is correct, we are tying Godzilla directly to that. That makes him a victim. But, so in this case, we could be seeing a victim lashing out at other people. The people that he blames in one form or another. The country that he blames. The Americans are just in the way. Although you could argue that because the Americans dropped the bombs, then his wrath is aimed at them as well. I don't know. I don't know. If we are doing this as you know, Godzilla is lashing out as uh, you know as a grudge against those who have hurt him, that is very much in line with Japanese ghost stories. That happens a lot. Once I understood that, some of the weirdo things that I've seen in some Japanese media does make a bit more sense. Ghosts and Japanese folklore manifest because they are holding a grudge against someone in the living world. And so you could look at Godzilla as a ghost of the war. You could. So... This looks like it's going to be really intense. How did this get a G rating in Japan? I know you're still trying to figure that out yourself, but man, man, with imagery like this, jeez. So again, something that we've been seeing, this is an image we've been seeing a lot, but I really do think the context for it is going to completely change it. Completely and utterly change it. Context is king. In mo- as a, in basically everything, and let's see, we've got we got some more people in the chat. We got Adam Noise. Great to see you. That trailer had me like woof. And then uh, An Productions. I'm assuming that's also Adam. He always says one's Facebook, one's YouTube. So this trailer made me, oh trailer made me woof. All right, and then you see, this movie is 100% made for me. History, MacArthur deciding to nuke Godzilla. Oh, yeah. (laughs) He goes on, post-war Japan. Indeed. And again, he says, it's clear that this image is right after a third nuke. Oh, I'm glad that you're confident about that. Let me see. He goes on. Historically, MacArthur wanted to use nukes in Korea a few years later. It's both hysterical and also sad to see it being used here as if it would be his decision. That is a very good point, AN Productions, Adam. And Ultraman Nexus says, AN Productions, you never know. This could be part of the opening. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Adam says, it's also clear that Godzilla is an animal lashing out in a corner like a wounded bear, which is awesome. I agree. And then he says, Ultraman Next is considering the director-writer's obsessions with World War II history. I think I'm going to be right. Also, there's the image of a nuke going off in... Tokyo next to Godzilla. Yeah, I talked about that image a little bit earlier in this live stream. That because I th- that is at the moment is one of the iconic images 
from not only the trailer, but I think will go down as one of the iconic images from the film. It reminded me of a scene similar to that in, in GMK, although in that case it was Godzilla using his atomic breath for the first time, at least in the movie. So he was creating the blast himself. So what... It, and what made that horrifying was that it's the idea that a third nuke has been set off in Japan in present day, you know, 2001, almost 60 years after the war. All right. So we'll go on to the next one. Do I have one more? Nope. This was this you know, this was just to mark that it's coming December 1st and this was a big revelation. It's gonna be an IMAX, dang it. Yeah, no, I'm going to find a way to see this in IMAX. I will do whatever is possible to get it in IMAX. I think the board just recently, oh, by recently, I mean like within the last year, decided to add an IMAX theater to the denim. And I'm hoping it gets done in time for this film. I will not miss out on seeing this in IMAX, if at all possible. So that was a major revelation here. And I, I'm going to tell you right now, IMAX is better than 3D. That's for sure. Even though this also says you can get it in 4DX. I'm not sure what that is. And MX4D, I'm not, again, I'm not entirely sure what those are, unless that's one of those ones where the, uh, one of those theaters where they will actually shake the chairs as you're watching it. I, ha I could have seen Pacific Rim like that, but I ended up not doing it. So that was the other big thing I got out of this was holy crap, <laughs> IMAX. So Adam Noise, funny how you compare this new King Godzilla in the face to Godzilla King of the Monsters. Yeah, <laughs> I get what you mean there. It's a... Uh, Total opposites. Yeah, I understand that. I was thinking more in terms of the imagery. Yeah, nationwide too. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. That, that's another thing to uh, Ultraman Nexus to point out here that it is a a national. It is a national release, which for us G fans, that's some exciting stuff right there. And what the heck? There, wait. There we go. <laughs> Shutting off the the share. The sharing. All right, all right. Like I said, it's a trailer that tells us a lot, that tells us a lot, but doesn't really tell us anything. I'm more excited for this movie now than ever, and I do think this has the potential to really go down as one of the all-time greatest Godzilla films that we've ever seen. I do think it's going to be. It could be the best one that we've that people my age have experienced that are you know that's come out in our lifetimes that's for sure, and but man it could also go down as one of the most controversial ones which seems like it's just par for the course. You know, nowadays you know if you want to make your movie successful it's got to be at least a little bit controversial, but I have a feeling that controversy is probably just going to be limited to fans and viewers outside of Japan. It's just like Shin Godzilla. Shin Godzilla wasn't a controversial film. Excuse me for a second.
it wasn't controversial in its native Japan. I don't anticipate this is going to be controversial in its native Japan. Make of that what you will. All I'm saying is, I'm definitely looking forward to this. I don't know if any of my theories, my speculations are going to end up being true. Market today, you know, September 5th, that these were my predictions, and we'll see if I end up being right. We'll find out in a few short months, and it will, like I said, will definitely be covered on the podcast, and I will be sure to get that episode out as soon as I can. And I am anticipating... I'm not going to make any promises, but I am anticipating that my guest for that episode will be Jack G-Man Hudgens, who has been clamoring for a decade for Takeshi Yamazaki to direct a Godzilla film, and now he's finally getting his wish, and I'm sure he will have a lot to say. All right, like I said, got any more thoughts on this? Leave them in the comments. Send me emails to monsterironfilmfall.gmail.com and I will be sure to share your feedback in a future episode of the show. Be sure to check out my other podcast, Henshin Men and the Power Tripper Journey Through the Power Rangers franchise, as well as Kaiju Weekly and the Kaiju Ramen Media, where I am the editor for the mag- uh, the Kaiju Ramen Magazine and one of the staff writers. And Also, if you enjoy what I do here and you would like to get some of my own writing, check out my author website, NathanJSMarchand.com. Dang it. That sound's going to get caught on the recording, and I'm not going to like it. May or may not be able to edit that out. Sorry, I I just got a low battery warning for my laptop. Anyway, anyway, anyway. I think I've do- gotten all of the important bits of shameless self-promotion. You know, check out monsterironfoamfault.com. Follow us on all the socials. Uh, NathanJSMarchand.com. It's got links to all the things. And so we've got one more comment here from Adam Noyes. He says, this has the potential for making more money here than Shin Godzilla. I agree with you because it's going to get a much wider release than Shin Godzilla did. So, yeah, that's one way of doing it. I am going to be curious to see if people will be confused and think this is a monster verse film, especially since the, uh, since the legacy of monsters, Apple TV show is going to be starting just a few weeks before it. And then you've got G- Godzilla X Kong, the new empire a few months after it. So I don't know. There might be some confusion there, but I suppose we will find out in the meantime. Sayonara. Thanks for joining us for this special stream. Thank you for listening to the Monster Island Film Vault, a podcast produced and hosted by Nate Marchand. If you want to join the discussion and be heard on the show, we'd love to hear from you. So email us at feedback at monsterislandfilmvault.com. Our website is monsterislandfilmvault.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Monster Island Film Vault. And on Twitter, where our handle is at the Monster Isla One. You can subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, and TikTok. Follow Jimmy from NASA on Twitter at NASA Jimmy and our many other colorful characters using the links in the show notes. The podcast logo was created by Tyler Souls from TylerDrawsComics.com. Our theme song is Wanderer on the Offensive, live edit by B33J, Serax, Juan Madrono, and Nonsensical Lexus which is a remix of Counterattack, Battle with the Colossus, and 
The Opened Way, Battle with the Colossus by Koatani from the video game Shadow of the Colossus. All film and audio clips belong to their respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended or implied. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and or Podchaser to spread the word about the show. You can also support us by joining MIFV Max on Patreon. The Monster Island Film Vault is a Moonlighting Ninjas Media production. Sayonara! <laughs>